Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. On today's show, we'll take a break from football for one week anyway and talk some Michigan hoops. Joining me will be beat writer Brendan Quinn from M Live. National Signing Day is about three weeks away, and Michigan's class of 2017 is one of the best in the country. Hopefully it stays that way, but as we've seen the last few years, it can get pretty crazy before these kids have to make their final commitment. Steve Lorenz from 24-7 Sports will drop by for our monthly recruiting update next week. The college football season ended last night, Monday night, with a classic game. So often national championships or big games just don't live up to the hype. Last year's game between Clemson and Alabama certainly did, but last night's game outdid that. Congratulations to Clemson on being crowned national champions. That game was an example, I think, of why all of us love college football. It was a great game to watch. The Najee Harris watch is over for Michigan fans. He landed in Birmingham on Sunday and will play, of course, for the Tide. No fanfare, no pressers, no hats. Just flew into Birmingham and starts class on Wednesday. It would have been nice if he landed at Detroit Metro on Sunday to play for us. But the fact of the matter is he was committed to Bama two years ago. And despite a valiant attempt by Jim Harbaugh to flip him, he has made his decision. NFL insider and U of M graduate Adam Schefter reported on Monday that Cleveland Browns offensive coordinator Pep Hamilton has accepted an offer to become Michigan's assistant head coach and passing game coordinator. He will replace Jet Fish, who left for UCLA a week ago. Hamilton coached wide receivers at Stanford under Harbaugh. In his 10 years at Michigan, we have rarely seen John Beeline express frustration with his team, at least publicly. Last week, though, he seemed very irritated by the team's poor defense and lack of toughness. Beat writer Brendan Quinn agrees and says something is just not clicking for this team, at least right now. He joins us next here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. our game day segment this week to talk Michigan hoops as we get into the Big Ten season is uh, Brendan Quinn from M Live. Great to have you back with us, Brendan. Mike, always a pleasure, man. Well, here we are, uh, Michigan off to an 11-5 and start. Football season's over, so now fans' interest is shifting towards basketball. 1-2 in the Big Ten to start the season, too. Before we talk about that Big Ten start, Brendan, after 16 games, from what you've seen, your impressions of this team? Well, it's kind of the same thing over and over again. It's just it's a little bit of deja vu and, you know, the same storyline. I feel like we could have had the same exact conversation last January, you know, where it's you underline the defense as the biggest issue, and then the conversation ultimately turns to whether Zach Irvin and Derek Walton Jr. are going to, you know, embrace their their roles on this team and all of those storylines that we've spoken about endlessly, basically. 
um, it's, it's all still the same. And, and I go, I go game to game, not knowing what to expect from this group because it's still so, you know, they can look great if they're making 14 threes and, and putting the ball in the hoop and all this stuff. And it can help to mask some of the, some of the glaring defensive problems, but any other game, you know, if you're giving up you know, 15 made baskets on the final 20 shots of an, of an opponent, you're not going to win games and, and you can look really bad doing it. And I mean, that's what you saw this weekend. And, uh, you know, when they play Illinois on Wednesday, I don't think anyone would be surprised if they go out and win by 18 and look great doing it and then go next weekend and do the exact opposite. There's, there's very little consistency. I think it starts with a, a lack of star power and a, and a and some leadership problems. Well, as you said, this is a, a recurring theme. We've talked about this for the last couple of years. Uh, the defense and the rebounding drive people nuts. It's not good. Mm-hmm. Do you see any kind, any sliver of improvement in those two areas this year? Uh, there was early. There's, I thought there. I thought there was early when when those games in in New York and um, you know even that South Carolina game, which was such a poor loss. Uh, for the amount of shots that they missed in that game, they shot like twenty nine percent, something just ridiculous. Um, the, the fact that they they only allowed like sixty points, you know, and it was because they were playing decent defense, or at least better defense than what's been seen in the past. Um, given how many shots they missed, you would have thought the year before they would have lost that game by forty, you know, and they they did. Those that's what happened against Xavier, and uh, and some of those really bad early losses. SMU was another one. Um, so I think early on, I think they were playing a little bit of better defense, but. Now it just seems like they just kind of come and go, and they seem to be get they. I don't know if it's getting into last year's habit where they were very clearly just looking to get back on offense um, anytime. You know, defense was just kind of a passing fad for them, um, as opposed to being any kind of part of the identity. And it seems that seems to be the case again. Now, in terms of like the the technical issues at hand, uh, I mean, the perimeter defense is among the worst in the country. Uh, there's there's no doubt about that. I think they they are they were limiting the blow buys that you saw last year a little bit, not by much, but a little bit. And but but you know it is still it is still the underlying number one problem on this team. No, no doubt about that. You know, one of the things through 16 games, and it hasn't happened every one of these 16 games, but it sure has in the Big Ten season. Is how slow this team is out of the gate and. Have you heard John Beeline address that and have any clue as to how it can happen night after night? Uh, I mean, he's given everything from using those buzzwords of, you know, we need to show grit and we need to have this and we need to have that. We need to play a little bit faster. Um, I'm not sure what it is. I mean, it's that's one of those things. Sometimes I think it comes down to what kind of players you recruit. You know, you can you can recruit guys who are who are good basketball players, but then there's a different level of competitor. I mean, that is, that is a fact of athletics that, you know, some guys kind of have a different engine than other guys. And I think that really manifests itself sometimes um, at the beginning and close of games, even at, even at the, even at the close of the first half, sometimes where you'll see the group just kind of let up there for the last couple of minutes, team bangs out an eight Oh run or something and totally swings the game. Um, there is just, they have a very difficult time maintaining a certain level of, energy and output um, that is clearly driving John Beeline a little crazy at this point. Um, you know, he wants more from this group, and I'm, I'm not sure if he knows how to go about getting it at this point. Well, last week, I think it was one of your stories. Uh, it was uh, Coach Beeline talking about how a lot of high school players, AAU players, lack a toughness 
that he used to see in his early years of coaching. You know, when you read the article, I wasn't sure if he was talking in general or more about his team but do you think he's right i think he is right and i think that but i think that part of the the coach's job right now is finding the right guys if that's the case because there there are certainly some tough guys in the country you know it's not everyone you you gotta and the thing is that if you can get one or two like you're not going to get in this day and age with aau and and all this other stuff you're not going to get eight of those guys that doesn't exist but you can go get two and then you got to get those two to go beat the heck out of the other guys on that team and get everyone up to their level. You know, that's like uh, 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 Stu Douglas and Novak, guys like that who, you know, who, who pull it out of other people. That's what you need. You know, you need one or two, and, and, and then you ride that guy. Um, a lot of programs, that's, that's the way of the world, and that's the way it needs to be at Michigan. And right now, I'm not sure if they have anyone who's like that. You know, Zach Irvin is the most vocal guy on the team. I think he gets a lot of undue uh, criticism because so much is asked of him because anytime it's crunch time, no one is looking at, no one is looking to shoot. No one wants to take the big shot so many times. And he's the only guy who wants it. Like he wants the ball at those times. Uh, he's the loudest guy on the team. And then that's basically it. The only other guy is, is Mo Wagner in terms of kind of being, you know, emotional or, or you know, speaking on the court and stuff like that. Uh, and that's it. That's really it. So, you know, where are you going to get, the whatever's inside of these guys out of them um it's really hard with the makeup that they have right now having covered this team for four years that is has become abundantly clear i think you're right they, they do lack toughness so leadership has to come from zach Irvin, Derek walton jr and they're leaders in the locker room and on the floor but they too as far as their level of play are searching for consistency uh too right i wrote that i think it was last monday at a column where talking about the gulf that exists between who their best players are and who they're trying to ride as the leaders, as the catalyst. Because on paper and in theory, yes, Walton and Irvin should be the guys, should be the go-to guys. Everything should be pretty much centered around those two and should filter out from there. The problem is, I think it's become pretty clear that Wilson and Wagner are the two best players on this team in terms of talent, possible production, um, skill level. Um, you know, they have, they have some NBA scouts taking peeks at them. Zach Irvin and Derek Walton don't have NBA scouts taking peeks at them. So, you know, when, when you have that, that kind of dichotomy there of who your best players are versus who your supposed best players are or your leaders are, that things are out of whack there. And I'm not sure what kind, if you have to find a middle ground or if you have to say, you know what, we're going all in on Wilson and Wagner, because you know, what happens then? What does it even look like if they tried to do that? You know, I, no one has ever seen John Beeline try to run his off, run everything through a four and a five. It's always been guard oriented. So what do you do right now? I've, they got about six weeks to figure it out. Up until this season, I was waiting for Irvin and Walton Jr. Mm-hmm. to, you know, step up their level of play. But I guess we all have to realize at this point, it is what it is with these two guys. This is what we're going to get the rest of the way, I think. Yeah, I mean, it would be pretty it would be pretty startling to see, you know, some kind of great senior story emerge here over the last six weeks. Do we want them to have it in them? I, I, would, I would think so. But, you know, part of the problem is, is that, you know, a lot of it is asked of of Irvin, um, passing, shooting, rebounding, defending, 
uh, you know, he's playing 36 minutes a game, whatever. Um, you know, that consistency from him has always been the problem um, offensively. The thing is that he's giving you everything else pretty consistently right now. It's just that that shot, that, you know, he, he is the offensive player that he is. And if you want him to be your number one, well, then you might be a middle-of-the-pack Big Ten team. You know, I, th- I feel like Zachary Irvin would still be a really great third option on a really good team. You know, you put a couple of other pieces around him and let him do everything else that he can do right now, um, I think you could really be in business with him, and he could really be a solid Big Ten player. They're just probably asking a little bit too much out of a guy who is a little bit limited in his own offensive inconsistencies. Walton, on the other hand, you know, I've been waiting for it for him. From I, I put him on my preseason All-Big Ten team when he was a sophomore just because I thought his ceiling was so high, and it's just never gotten there. And, you know, some of this stuff is still kind of puzzling on, on where his game resides that uh, he remains kind of enigmatic and um, kind of tough to understand when you see some of the stuff that he can do. and But then he's still shooting like 30% on two-point baskets. He's not getting to the foul line. Uh, his assist-to-turnover ratio is fine, but, you know, so much of that is off of residual stuff. It's not him creating stuff for other people. Uh, and that's what they need most out of it. Well, we've talked about how toughness is, uh, is something that, Coach Beeline knows is missing, and last week he was talking about how frustrated he is with the defense at times, you know, letting people go to the hole, like in the Iowa game, with the, just late in the game and in overtime, uh, not blow-bys, but just too easy. And, you know, coaches have said over and over, defense is just hard work. What can he do at this point to get these guys to step it up at that end? I don't know. There's been, you know, there's been times where I think that maybe just cutting playing time you know, whether it's sending a message or not, that, you know, if you're not going to go out there and get in someone's face every defensive possession, then you're not going to play. You know, I'm willing to bet if you put Sean Lonergan out there, he's going to go start running at some guys. Now, he might get beat because he's not a, you know, a spectacular lateral quickness and athlete and all that stuff, but he'll play. I think he would go up and get in someone's chest, maybe give someone the business a little bit. No one's doing that. So, you know, at what point do you start pulling guys out? You know, maybe give... Why not give Zach, uh, Xavier Simpson 20 minutes right now and tell him that your number one goal is to not let the other point guard score? Everything else, let, let that come to you. But, you know, so much of what Michigan does is based on offense that it would be really, really difficult, I think, for, for John Beeline to, to do that. Do you think Xavier Simpson has to get more playing time now? I don't see, I don't see why the alternative well, – I don't, like, I don't see why you wouldn't try that at this point. You know, what, what is the harm, essentially? If, if this thing were rocking and rolling or going mm-hmm. in a different direction, you know, yeah, okay, you got to go with your, your senior. But at this point, you're one and two. The, I, this team obviously needs a spark. You know, something needs to happen. Someone needs to emerge. Um, you know, you got to start trying, guys, and, and see see who has what inside of them. Um, and I think he would be, you know, a, a prime guy to say, you know, let's see what you can do, man. Uh, go try to go try to make a name for yourself. You know, if anything. The worst-case scenario is, okay, he gets experience because guess what? He's your starting point guard next year. Well, the constant of, of a John Beeline coach team is that they don't turn it over, they don't foul excessively, no, not really a lot of bad fouls, and a lot of negative to talk about so far in the season, but if they've done a couple of things well, it's it's those two things again this year, Brendan. Yeah, they are. They, I mean, they, 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 they like offense isn't a problem. You know, for, for all this that we're saying, you know, that, the offense is humming along pretty nicely. I mean, they are the... They are the slowest tempo team in the league, but are averaging like 77 points a game. Like that's, that is 
really hard to do. That is really, really hard to do. Um, you know, I mean, the offense is, is putting up points. They're getting buckets, no problem. Um, you know, and that really speaks to the system um, that, is, that is in place and that they do have guys with skill and, and DJ and Mo can, can do a lot of good stuff. And, you know, they can still shoot threes in bunches. Um, you know, but they can also go, what was it, eight for 32 or whatever it was in, mm-hmm. in that, that last home game before Maryland. Um, it's, there, is a, there is a lot to be positive about, and a lot of it is based on the system. But you know, the problem is when, when you have NBA guys doing that, like in the really good season, yeah, then you can go win 25, 26, 28 games. When you have kind of middle-of-the-road Big Ten guys doing that, well, then you're going to be a middle-of-the-road Big Ten team. With us here on our game day segment this week as we talk about the start of the the Big Ten season for Michigan basketball is Brendan Quinn from M Live. Uh, Brendan, you know, when you look at this team, uh, size in the block, talented perimeter players that can shoot, as we just talked about with that offense, guards that can get in the paint, should get in the paint a little bit more or drive the lane. Mm-hmm. But then when you watch it, I find myself just about every game saying to myself, what's missing? Which th- there just seems to be something missing. And to me, that's that is Coach Beeline's uh, big problem moving forward is how does he solve that because he's got to he's got to find something that makes this team click. Yeah, I mean, ideally it would be. Uh, I mean, I, I think it kind of starts at the point guard spot. You know, I think when it's when it's what's missing, I think elite point guard play is is the the number one thing that's that's kind of missing. Um, and then you know. Defensively, it's at it's at multiple spots because I come up with these like possible lines on mine. I go, you know, this thing could really look different if they did this or did that. You know, maybe maybe Max, maybe Max, make Zach the two, make Duncan the three, Irvin the four, Wilson the uh, or sorry, um, Wilson the four, Wagner the five. Go super big, and you know, just make teams try to match up with you. Um, but then that you know, that problem. Okay, well, who's Duncan Robinson defending in that scenario? And I feel like you run into those things with any kind of possible solution uh, you run into. So what's it missing? I mean, it's missing some attitude. It's missing some edge. It's missing some talent. And I don't know where, where, what kind of potion you can mix up to just kind of get that uh, over the final, whatever, 14 games of, of a conference season. Whatever it is, they better come up with it quick because the trip to Illinois this week and uh, the next eight games are brutal and Last week in M Live, you said uh, all of these games, the next eight games, are winnable. At the same time, uh, Michigan could lose any one of those games. It, it really is such a fine line with this team right now. Yeah, I mean, when I looked at the schedule coming into coming out of Christmas break, you know, you had those first five games where I said, if they're going to do something, they probably need to go four and one or three and two in that stretch. Um, you know, it's a lot of kind of middle of the road, whatever teams, you know, Iowa, Maryland. Uh, Northwestern, um, but or not. I don't know if Northwestern's in that mix. But um, regardless, the, the point remains. You know, I thought they needed to go four and one or three and two. Um, oh, instead, now they're one and two <laughs> in that because after the next two games, they have an eight-game stretch where they play Wisconsin, Ohio, or Wisconsin, Michigan State, and Indiana two times apiece yeah. in that eight-game stretch. So. You know, if things are going, if things are going to go off the rails, so to speak, you know that's probably when it would would come. So, you know, I thought this this team should try to position itself um, as well as possible going going into that, and you know, that's not 
that's not really playing out that way. You get now you have to go to Illinois, which is a road Big Ten game. All road Big Ten games are losable. Um, although, if you think Michigan's defense is bad, wait till you see Illinois. Um, <laughs> Michigan might put up a hundred points in that game. They, I mean, they are abysmal. Um, but then you get, I believe, Nebraska, mm-hmm. and Nebraska's out of nowhere become some world beater. Um, that is playing really well. And you want to talk about guards who can score, that they're going to have a tough time defending. Well, Glenn Watson Jr. and Ty Webster might be the most dynamic scoring duo in the league right now. They are fantastic, and they go right at you. And I don't know who Michigan's going to put in front of them. And uh, that's going to be a tough game. But I'll tell you right now, Nebraska's not going to be scared of playing Michigan. Uh, they're going to look to go right at them. And they've already beaten Indiana and Maryland and, uh, and played really, really well in doing so. So... Um, you know, this, you're right. You're right. This was, this was a key stretch and it's one that has only appears to be getting harder, both because of the level of competition and because of, you know, Michigan, it's development as for right now. Now you don't want to draw too large a conclusion, but over the last two weeks, what you were expecting coming out of that 10 day Christmas break, the development has either stalled or regressed. Um, now crazier things have happened in terms of turnaround. Um, this is Michigan's first one and two start in the league since 2010-11. That group started one and six and ended up still making the NCAA tournament. So, you know, crazier things have happened, turnarounds have happened, and these things ebb and flow all over the place. But the fact that it's still the same questions that we've had all the way along dating back to last year is probably the most disconcerting thing when it comes to this group. Well, overall, at this point, again, we're early in the Big Ten season. A lot of people are saying it's a very balanced Big Ten this year. Other people are saying it's just a bad Big Ten this year uh, overall. But do you think there is one team that's going to be capable of separating from the pack, and do you have an idea who that might be? Well, I I said it was uh, Wisconsin going into yesterday, and then Purdue beat Wisconsin. So, uh, you know, what do I know? But at I mean, Wisconsin's like 4-39 and 39 all time at Mackey Arena, so you know, them going and losing at Purdue is not uh, the, the biggest deal in the world. I, I still think Wisconsin's probably the best team in the league. Um, Purdue is as dangerous as anyone, though. Uh, Purdue's really good, and, and they, are, they are tough. Uh, they, have, they have pieces. They have the Big Ten Player of the Year right now and Caleb Swanigan. Um, all that size, all that toughness. Purdue's really good. Wisconsin's really good. And after that, I mean, the world is flat. You know, the rest of them, I think everyone's just going to beat beat the hell out of each other for the next six weeks, seven weeks. This is going to be, I mean, at this point, it's like, what's going to happen? Are just like seven or eight teams going to finish with ten, ten wins at this point? Like, or nine wins? Is this just going to be this muddled mess? And I don't know. I, I, I think it's trending that, that way. Because, like, what do you make of Minnesota right now? What do you make of... Um, Northwestern right now. You know, both of those have done really nice stuff. I just saw Penn State twice in the last week. They look great. I, I, I'm buying stock in that team. You know, that's they're they're good. They are that is a good team that's going to really frustrate people this year. And you know, I'm not saying they're going to go compete for a championship, um, but they're going to win some games. They're going to drive people crazy, and then they're going to go compete next year because they don't have a senior on that team. And I, and I really like the makeup of that group. So, you know, when have you said that about Penn State? All these two teams are in the middle, and then you, you kind of filter off from there and you say, okay, well, Michigan, Indiana, Michigan State, they have to finish somewhere. What do you do with Maryland? They're 14-2. and two. It's, a, it's a mess. I, don't, I have no idea. And you're right there. The big question is, you know, where does this group stack up nationally? Well, you know, they, 
There were only a few, you know, the best two wins in non-league play were from Indiana. Indiana might have two of the worst league losses right now. <laughs> so nothing makes any sense. Um, you know, it'll play itself out in the NCAA, NCAA tournament, obviously. If they all go out in the first weekend, then, okay, this league was just a big bowl of parity. Um, if they go win some games, then I, I guess they prove themselves. It is early in the Big Ten season, so we'll see how that plays out. A final thought from you, Brendan, and you were right there with Nick Baumgartner, of course, doing a great job covering Michigan football all season, so I want to get a football question mm -hmm. in uh, before we close out. It's really a recruiting question. You know, for the last week since the season ended, it's been Najee Harris, Najee Harris, what's he going to do? Uh, and, of course, he shows up in Birmingham yesterday, Sunday. Uh, just a, a crazy situation, but are you surprised at all he ended up in Alabama? Well, from what I know, which is little, he was committed to Alabama all the way along. So I thought it would have been very, very strange for a guy who was committed to Alabama to decommit the week of the national championship game. Um, that would have seemed very strange to me. Now, I know as much about football recruiting as I know about nuclear physics, but, <laughs> um, I mean, he's the best player in America, and he's going to the best team in America. Seems to add up to me. You know, I think it, I think it makes an abundant amount of sense. Um, the, the, my biggest takeaway from the Najee Harris uh, saga was just that's just a bad um, world of recruiting attention and coverage um, manages to get worse and worse as technology gets better and better and fans get more and more obsessed and media gets more and more obsessed. It's a sad state of affairs when I check Twitter and see updates on a recruit's um, flight plans or ticket purchasing or this and that. Uh, it's, it's just, I mean, it's mind-boggling to me. And you know, I mean, I kind of came up at in, in the reporting as, you know, as the recruiting was really taking off, but, you know, still kind of at the tail end of the way things used to be. And, you know, if, if I have my say, we'll go back to the way it was, whereas kids show up to campus and you say, all right, well, this is what the team looks like now. And we're not, we're not finding out where recruits are landing and all this stuff, but that's the way of the world. And, um, but this, this one, this one was bad. This one was bad. Um, people went way too down way too deep down the well and uh i don't think it's fair to him i don't I, I, that's just not a good look for anyone I, I can't imagine that anyone can see any real benefits of of the way that this thing continues to trend toward the obsession of 17 year old decision making no and that's uh, why i think sunday a lot of us i know i, I when i finally saw the story break on sunday that he he was in birmingham i thought would have been nice to uh, to see him in a Michigan uniform, but uh, mm -hmm. when, I, when I saw that story, I said, "Man, I'm I'm just glad that's over, uh, so everyone sure. can just move on." So it is crazy; it's out of control. But now it's <laughs> basketball season, and there's a lot of basketball to be played uh, yet. It's we're very early in the Big Ten season, so uh, we'll get you back on next month for your take on what's happening. My guest today has been Brendan Quinn from M Live, and as always, Brendan, you're a great guest. Thank you for the time, and we look forward to the next visit. Always enjoy the conversation, Mike. Thanks for having me, man. News and notes is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew.
On news and notes this week, the U of M men's basketball team will travel to Champaign-Urbana for a matchup with the Fighting Illini tomorrow night, Wednesday night. The Wolverines are 11-5 and five overall, 1-2 one and two in the Big Ten. The game will take place at the State Farm Center. It is the first of two meetings in a 10-day span. Tip-off is scheduled for 8.06 p.m. Central Time, with the game being broadcast on BTN. Michigan leads the country in fewest turnovers per game. U of M has had 10 or fewer turnovers in 11 games, with a season low of four versus SMU on November 18th. The Wolverines also have a nation-best 14.1 fouls per game. U of M has had nine games with 14 or fewer fouls, with a season low against Mount St. Mary's. Derek Walton Jr. needs one more assist to crack U of M's all-time top 10. He has 366 in his career and could pass Manny Harris, who also has 366 in his three seasons. Walton leads the Big Ten and is 13th in the nation in free throw percentage. He is 45 for 49 on the season, good for 91.8%. Women's basketball returns home for the first of two straight games at Chrysler Center hosting Indiana tonight. The Wolverines are 13-4 overall, 2-1 in the Big Ten. Tip is set for 6 p.m. at Chrysler, and the game can be seen live on the Big Ten Network. Michigan and Indiana are two of five teams with two and one Big Ten records after the first two weeks of conference action. This game is the first of two straight home games, as we mentioned, for the Maize and Blue. U of M is 8-0 at Chrysler Center this season. Junior Caitlin Flaherty will become just the fourth player in school history to reach 1,600 career points with three more points. She is currently fourth all-time at U of M with 1,597 points, following her 38-point outburst at Ohio State over the weekend. Hockey is back in action this week as they face Minnesota up in Minneapolis. Heading into this weekend's play, the Wolverines are 3-1 in the Big Ten, 8-9-1 overall. My free show app is available in the Google Play and iTunes stores. If you're an iHeartRadio fan, you can find us there, too. Just do a search for The Michigan Man and add us to your favorites. Thanks again to Michigan beat writer Brendan Quinn from M Live for being my guest today. Next week, it's time for our January recruiting update, and my scheduled guest is Steve Lorenz from 24-7 Sports. We are only a few weeks away from National Signing Day, and the class of 2017 is close, we hope, to being wrapped up. You never know what will happen down the stretch, though. So join Steve Lorenz and I next week. We'll get you up to date on the latest Michigan recruiting news. That will do it for this week. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Have a great Wolverine week, everyone. Until next time, take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. That's the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!